Well, good morning. Good to see everyone here today. I want to let you know as well as please, everybody, do not rush out the door after the final amen. We'll be having a baptism and testimony right outside our doors. We always rejoice as those who made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ and going into the water to signify they have been changed by the Lamb that was slain. Amen? To show the world their test, uh, public testimony of faith. And we praise God for that. So don't rush off. Enjoy the baptism as we rejoice together in that soul. Many years ago, there was a movie came out. And it's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Called Life is Beautiful. Many of you may have seen it. Uh, many of you may have not. But the gist of the story is this that a couple got married, and they had a child, and when the Nazi regime had came in, they had separated the child and the father and the mother and put them in different concentration camps. Now, the father told the son that this is a game. And what you need to do is understand, he tried to shield him from the horrors of this war and the horrors of the persecution from the Nazi concentration camp. And he said, it's a game, and here's the deal. If you go through this, and you get a thousand points, then you'll be able to ride on an American tank, because we will have won. So, as all these horrible things are going on in this concentration camp, he would try to be funny, and he would try to entertain his son to shield him from this. And toward the end of the movie... As the Americans are moving in, they catch the young man trying to escape to try to find his wife. And he puts his little boy in this little room or this little hiding place and says, Look, don't you move until you see a tank coming through. Well, the young, the, like I said, the father was captured and he was taken off to the side. And what is so beautiful about this movie and so sad as his son sees him being led off by a Nazi, his, his father's doing this, marching, knowing he's going to a certain death, trying to make it humorous for the child so he won't understand what is going on. And the soldier marches him around the corner and shoots him. But the little boy, but the little boy stayed faithful, and he didn't come out of there till he seen a tank. And as that American tank came through the streets, that little boy jumped out, and the American soldier driving the tank, he says, you don't understand what I'm saying, do you? And the little boy, he just looked at him. So he grabbed the little boy, he set him on top of the tank, and put his helmet on. And as they're going down the street, they happen to see his mama, as that, that concentration camp with the women was liberated, and they're walking down the street. And this little boy sees his mama, and he runs up to his mama and said, Mama, we win we win. You see, during the horrors of things, and even in this world that we live in, and we have everything that is surrounding us by the results of sin, and we see horrors and adultery, fornication, murder, arson. We see all these things going around us. But God has promised that He who has saved us will sustain us and protect us. And in the end, listen, we win. 
you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation chapter 14. Book of Revelation chapter 14. And I want to go through this text because, again, I think a lot of times we, we go through so go. Through through so fast and we see so many things and we get so consumed by the curious we miss the points and what you will see here in Revelation 14 you say well Chad why don't we skip 13 if you remember months back I went through 13 okay because I wanted to prepare you what we was dealing with to go back and show you how we were coming through this now understand that all this is going on and you see the unholy trinity, if you will, taking place. The deception of the false prophet. The hate and the manipulation and the persecution of those who believe. And you see all this coming on. And you see in chapter 13 as we end this, that John sees another vision. And if I could say anything to you this morning, I would pray that you would be encouraged by this text. Because I know the past few weeks as we've gone through this, you said, Chad, it's getting bad and it's bad. And even in the world we live in, oh man, it all seems so doom and gloom. And I tell you, to hold on to him that is faithful, as Hebrew tells us. Hold on to him who is faithful. And you will see in this text an encouraging word as we go through these first five verses. I want everybody to stand as we read the word of God together. And then I looked and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having his name and the name of the Father written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like a sound of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they sang a new song. Before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn this song except for the 144,000 who had been purchased. Purchased from the earth. These are the ones who have not been defiled with woman. For they have kept themselves chaste. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And these have been purchased from among men as the first fruits to God and to the Lamb, and no lie was found in their mouth. They are blameless. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank this, You for this Word that You have given us. God, may we stand firm on Your Word. Lord, may everything that we do bring You glory and honor. God, we praise You for the hope that is found in You. We love You. We praise You. And all God's people said, you may be seated. Now as we go back to verse 1, think about this. Come up to this point after Revelation chapter 4, and we have seen the wrath of God and the bowls poured out, the trumpets sound, and we see all this taking place. All of a sudden, in Revelation 14, John sees a vision. Now, I want you to think about this just for a few moments as we go through this again that you may find encouragement in these verses. Look at verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion. Okay, the Lamb. 
You'll see that is capitalized. That is the Lamb of God, is Jesus Christ. The Lamb that was slain, who took the wrath of God, that that we deserved, was placed upon His Son, that we could be reconciled to the Father. Amen? And he's standing on Mount Zion. Mount Zion. You'll find this in this apocalyptic literature. But you have to go back to the Old Testament. This is where it's beautiful. Mount Zion. The heavenly Jerusalem. The true city of God. The true city of God. As Psalms 2.6 will tell us. 2 Samuel. You'll also find it. I mean, look. The pinnacle of Jerusalem. Think about this. That the Lamb is standing on that solid rock of that hill where Christ is the solid rock. Not Satan and whose adversaries who have a foundation on sinking sand, but a foundation built on Christ. Christ stands. And look who is standing with them. The 144,000. Now listen. With him, 144,000 having his name and the name of the Father written on their foreheads. If you remember, those that took the mark of the beast have a different number. But Christ has sealed those with the forehead. They have been sealed. We talked about this a while back as we went back and explained that in the book of Ephesians. That God has made us Christ has saved us and the Holy Spirit has sealed us for those that are in Christ. And he says their name, their name is written because his name is written on their foreheads. I want you to think about this for a second. I've said this many times. And you've heard me. And every one of you should have this attitude. I think I said it last week. That when you leave this world... You want to be known as a cross-eyed rock and roll Christian. You hear me? Your eyes are on the cross. Your foot's on the rock. And what? Your name is on the roll. Amen? For they have been sealed. Now look what it says. And I heard a voice from heaven. This is beautiful. Like the sound of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of the harpist playing on their harps. And they sang a new song. I want you to think about this for a few moments. Here these are, standing before the right hand of God. Okay? Standing, I'm sorry, standing with Christ. Christ is before the right hand of God. I want you to think about this for a few moments. I think about these 144,000 that have gone through this tribulation time. The faithful. Those who have been sealed. Those who have been secured and sustained by the hand of God. And I cannot help but think of the vindication that is given for those who serve Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this. The Bible tells me in the book of Acts that as Stephen was given a defense, as he shared truth, the first martyr in the New Testament, if you will, as he was sharing truth, it angered them, remember? And what did they do? 
They stoned him. But as they stoned Stephen, he looked up and saw Jesus standing before the throne of God on the right side of the Father. He was standing. That posture of standing, you know what shows what? Victory, people. It may be temporary and it may be rough, but Christ is victorious. And those who are sealed are standing before Christ victorious. Have you ever thought you were going to lose? Have you ever thought that what you're going through, there couldn't be no end? You see, what's amazing to me is how many Christians, listen to me, are so easily defeated. Think about it. I didn't hear anybody rustle on this one, because you know I'm right. We're so easily defeated. We think of so many reasons not to fellowship with other brothers. We think of other reasons not to sing praises to His name. We think of other reasons to think that everything is gloom and doom. Woe is me. Have you ever been there? I have. Now, I'm not trying to here to give you an Osteen sermon, okay? I'm not going to try to convince you of something that ain't there. Turn him off. But what I will tell you is this, that the same God that saved me has sustained me, has preserved me, and my Christ is victorious even if I die. We cannot forget that. And we see so many people that are so stuck in the valley that they forget to see the mountain that's right before them. Mount Zion. Man, y'all know this. Some of y'all my age and older, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. You remember the song? Well, those that are faithful will be in the true city of God. Amen. Now look what he says. Here they are, and they before Christ who is victorious who is the solid rock, the foundation is set. And the Bible says they sang a new song. I want you to listen to what Martin Luther said about music. This is beautiful. Listen. The devil takes flight at the sound of music just as he does at the words of theology. And for this reason, the prophet always combined theology and music in the teaching of truth, and the chanting of psalms and hymns. After theology, I give the highest place and greatest honor to music. Listen to this, what he's saying. The song that they sang was praise and honor to him that was victorious. He alone deserves all praise. And it's the same songs we need to be singing today. For His glory, for His praise, and for Him him alone. May the Lamb that was slain receive the reward of His suffering. That should always be in our hearts. But they sang a new song. Well, why would they sing a new song that only they could learn? Well, you think about it. If we look at this text and go on through, the Bible says that they were before the throne and the four living creatures and elders, and the one could learn, no one could learn the song except the 144,000. Now, 
It takes us back, if you remember, listen, it takes us back to Revelation 5. Remember what was said? John began to weep in Revelation 5. Why? Does anybody remember? Because he could not find anybody worthy to open the scroll. Remember? Is anyone worthy? Do not weep. For the one that was slain for man is worthy. And the Bible says the elders sang a new song. This is a song that only they can sing and only the 144,000 can sing. Why? Because of the situation and the thing that, and the place that God had brought them to, only they would know. You think about this for a few moments. And I'm going to go back and backtrack, but listen. What are you trying to say, Chad? You see, it says these are the ones who have not been defiled with women, for they have kept themselves chaste. And these are the one who the Lamb, wherever he goes, they have been perched. They have been purchased from among men as first fruits of God. This is very important. What are the first fruits? Oh, ain't the Old Testament cool? Because if you go back to Deuteronomy 26, the first fruits was the first portion of the harvest set aside for God. These people were set aside for Him. This is not a sack full of people, as I often say. This is a remnant that were set aside for the purpose and the glory of God who stood firm in the face of persecution and never broke rank. They can sing that song. Because as they're before the throne of God, only they can learn it because they've been through it. Do you hear me? What do you think about this for a few moments? You know, I thought about this for a few moments as I'm studying this text. Well, Chad, you say the angels and the elders are singing. You really think they are? Absolutely. I want to take you back to another text that thrills my heart. You see, Luke 15 tells us about a lost coin and a lost sheep. And how angels rejoice over one sinner that repents. And they sing. He'll also say the angels rejoice over one more than 99 righteous. They rejoice because they are sealed and they have been called for a specific purpose to the glory of God. So Chad, how do we make this applicable to us today? Well, I'm going to tell you what. As we look at Mount Zion, we see the sovereignty of God. He that began a good work with you, as Philippians 1.6 tells us, we'll see it through to the day of completion. Now I want you to think about this for a few moments as I make this applicable. If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you hear me share this all the time, God never promised you you would be rich. God never promised you that you would be healthy. Chad, you say that all the time. Yes, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear it clearly. Because Christ never promised us that. But what He promised 
was He would sustain us and keep us through it. Well, you know, don't God want us to have all kind of money? That's funny. Foxes have dens, birds have nests. But as Rich Mullins said, the hope of the whole world rests on the shoulders of a homeless man. He had nowhere to lay his head. Never promised you things. See, this is where it gets to the scripture that I love to bring out right quick. You see, look, and that's why I'm reiterating this fact. Those that had been purchased from the fruits, first fruits of God and of the Lamb. And no lie was found in their mouth and they were blameless. They were pure. They were spotless. You see, the verse before that says that these had kept themselves chaste. They did not be, have been defiled with women. What does that mean? Often in New Testament, it's metaphorically for fornication. Okay? They have kept their self pure. They were spotless and blameless. Listen to me. Again, let's go to the Old Testament. The book of Hosea tells me an interesting story. You see, the people of Israel had prostituted themselves out with idolatry. And God tells Hosea, say, look, I want you to marry this woman named Gomer who's a prostitute. Man, you're going to have kids that run around that don't look like you. But I want you to marry her and be faithful to her. And purchase her back. Because the very point is this. God will sustain and keep His people. He is faithful. But you cannot prostitute yourself out. If you are born again believer, and what they had prostituted themselves out was, was idolatry. Anything that any human being puts above Christ is idolatry. I'll tell you another something I heard another theologian say one day, and I want everybody to hear this clear too, because it reminds me very specifically. There's a lot of people that fall more in love with the Word than the man that wrote it. Theology is great. And we need theology. We need sound doctrine. But I don't argue over theology for the sake of trying to win an argument. Let me, let me give you an illustration. Bodie Bauckham said this. He said he was early in his ministry, or early in his college career, that he had Jehovah's Witnesses that came to his house. Okay? And those Jehovah's Witnesses came to his house, there's two of them, they eat him up one side and down the other. So he decided that he spent most of that semester studying and preparing to confront them again when they came back. And he was studied up. He said, man, I spent all this time studying for this. And one day they showed back. And he said, I tore them up. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. He said as he went to school bragging about what he had done, everybody was high-fiving each other. Yeah, man, praise God, you showed them. Said one man changed his whole perspective. He looked at him, he said, can I ask you something, Mr. Bauckham? Will they come back? So he didn't have to say another word. Because Bodie Bauckham's very purpose was trying to prove an argument, not win somebody to Christ. You hear me? I don't care what theology you know. It's about winning people to Jesus. 
And you can have all the desires to have all the head knowledge you want, but if you don't have a love for Christ, it's moot. It means nothing. Do we have an appetite for Christ? These are the ones, if you remember with the two witnesses that were hated, they shared the gospel under persecution. They weren't trying to win arguments, I don't believe. They were trying to win people to Christ. These are the ones that's been purchased. These are the ones that have been purchased. Those who have been purchased, listen to me, know the value of their worth. Those that have been purchased know the value of their worth. Because I can promise you, my worth is not in what I own. Not in the strength of flesh and bone. But in the costly wounds that flowed at the cross. That's my worth. They had been purchased. And they had not been defiled. You see how that's applicable. We see number one, we see the victory in Christ. I want you to think about this. We can all see the vulnerable we can also see the vulnerability of our world. Whom do you serve? Because many people will be defiled. You see, the text tells us very clearly that there's always a remnant. Not everybody that goes to church is going to be in heaven. When I was growing up, I guarantee you I could knock on every door of every Southern Baptist here in this next state and 15 over, and everybody would tell me they're saved. Said a prayer. I got baptized. Went to church. And then like I told you before, well, why are you saved? Everybody can tell me they are. But can you tell me why? You see, these are the ones that's been purchased that know the value of their worth. They see the vulnerability that is in the world. But they hold to the Lamb because why? They follow Him wherever He goes. You see this? They follow Christ. And they have not been defiled. They have not been corrupt. You know, I got to thinking, what amazes me about this world that we live in is that we have to argue now who's male, who's female, what's life and what's not life, what country should we fight next. And I see more than ever I'm going to say this. We try to be better politicians and better workers than we do servants of Jesus Christ. I'll say it. You see, the love of Christ comes first. You know last week when I told you that my family comes second? That Christ comes first? You said we've got it backwards in the world when we put our family first and Christ second. 
if my family sees that I love Christ first, they'll understand why they're second. You see, in the world that we live in, it's all about me. And we defile ourselves and hide under the guise of Christianity. But understand this. I cannot reiterate the fact so much that a true Christian understands the value of his worth. I want you to listen to this text. I have to be careful. The Bible tells me that there will be no cowards in heaven. There will be no cowards in heaven. The cowards are ranked up there with immorality. The liars. The cheaters. The fornicators. They won't be in heaven. You see, those that have been purchased, I want you to think about this. Even in the times when everything is awful around them, they know who to cling to. And this is the point that I have to continually drive home. Who do you continually cling to? You know what? Your job may end tomorrow. Your 401k might crash. Your president might be replaced. Or my president too. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow. So why don't we put our trust in who holds tomorrow instead of what might happen tomorrow? We're not that star-spangled awesome that everything's going to go our way. The land of opportunity. The land of money. You know, we produce more seminary students probably than any other nation, and yet we're the second largest mission field in the world. That's Chad's guesstimate. I didn't get that off Barna, but I'm going to tell you this. From what I've looked at, you know, we need to be a people who rejoice in who we have and not what we have. You see, they sang a new song because it was a song that they could identify with. You know, I don't know what's going to happen when I get to heaven. I had a pastor tell me one time, Chad, of all places, heaven's going to be a place of surprises. I said, what do you mean? He said, because there's some people you think is going to be there that ain't. But there are some people that you didn't think will be there will. You see, that's the sovereign God that I serve. It's not for me to judge anybody. That's Christ's job. But my job is to live for a righteous, undefiled, holy God that has purchased me from the very mire of this earth. And it's a continual life. A life free of being a coward. You know, I, I, I want to think about this as I close this text. Now listen. I cannot help and you may say, Chad, you're going off on a tangent. I can't help but do this. My mind wanders. But I got to thinking about this remnant who is proclaiming the gospel amongst people that 
despised them. Okay? Hated. How many people around us that love us and yet we won't share the gospel with? I've often heard churches and people say, well, we don't go on the mission field, so God's opening up the borders and sending the mission field for us. That is crazy. When has God ever rewarded laziness? He tells us to go, not to stand and wait. You see, I look at it from this perspective. That if we're not going to share it with our neighbor and our family who are lost... I can promise you we won't share it to that person we're afraid of. You hear me? Is that an old me? But this remnant were faithful. They were purchased. And they sang a song that only they could sing because they held to the righteousness of the Father. And they were found blameless. When I die, I have no argument to stand before Christ. All I can do is point to Christ. Because I can promise you I'm not worth much. From a worldly standard, I not be that bad of a guy. But I can tell you this, as me and another man talked about this week, you know, without Christ, I rank up there with the coward, the, the, the immoral, the liars, the thieves, the fornicators, Without Christ, I'm there with them. Because we have all come short of the glory of God. But through Christ and His great mercy, He has saved us. He will sustain us. And we will persevere. And let me tell you something. I don't know what we'll sing when we get to heaven. But I can tell you right now, it'll be praises to the one who is worthy of us is this. No matter how hard things get, no matter what happens, whether you lose everything that you have, whether you lose every dime that you own, that if you're in Christ's hands, you are blessed more than anything. Because they may take away your possessions, but they can't take away your Jesus. Amen? That's why the 144 stood there. Because they held on to Him that was faithful. He promised He would be. God will protect, sustain, and preserve His people. Amen? Now, but I must ask you, you may know Christ, but does Christ know you? You see, in a few moments, we'll be having a baptism because of a soul that's been changed by the blood of the Lamb. That water does not save a soul. And I want to make this clear. You know, I got to thinking about the thief on the cross. He could not fall before the feet of Jesus. He couldn't come down off that cross. But he could believe. And he was saved by Christ. It's not the water that saves you. But going through the water 
shows the world that Christ has saved you. Amen? Miss Emma, not to call you out, but no mean or embarrass you. But what you have can never be taken away. You see, I believe that those that are true followers of Christ will persevere to the end. And I believe that if you are born again believer in Jesus Christ, you may sin, but you won't continue in it. We've always heard, I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. If you ever use that for a hall pass for sin, you're lost. It is by grace you are saved, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And young lady, you're going to be just as preserved as that 144,000 because God seals us through His Holy Spirit when He saves us. Amen? Signed, sealed, and delivered. One day I will not get to see everything that has happened or the martyrs that have gone on before us. I may not get to see those things till I get to heaven. I don't know when Christ is going to bring this world to an end. But I'll tell you this, I don't know when I'm going to leave this earth, but I know how I leave it. And I pray that you do too. The Bible tells us that He is just and righteous and will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But we must place our faith and trust in Him. It does not believe Him that Christ exists. It's not believing that Christ, but believing in Christ. It's committing to Christ. Turning to Christ. Turning from your sin. If I ask you that when you're going south to all of a sudden go north, what do you need to do? Change directions. That's salvation. And I can promise you this, that if you've ever been impacted by Jesus Christ, you're never the same. And just as that remnant God has sealed, brothers and sisters, not everybody that attends church is going to be saved. But those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ and turned from their sin and committed to Him wholeheartedly. Amen? What we're going to do, we're going to pray and then they'll sing. Then after the song, if we could make our way outside to the our trough out there, uh, that we, we love to baptize outside. Why? Because we want to let people see that that's a testimony of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, a couple of them we've had to do inside because it's minus 10, but, you know, we understand. But we want to tell the world that Jesus saves. Guys, I love you. And I pray that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I can assure you that one day you're going to die if Christ tarries. And there's no in-betweens. The Bible tells me in Luke that the rich man and Lazarus died and the rich man was buried. And in torment, he said, Father Abraham, help me. He was in torment. Let me assure you this, that hell's a reality. But if you are faithful in Christ unto the end, you will receive a crown of eternal life.
And that is a gift that only God can give. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your grace and mercy. We thank You for what You have done in the life of this young lady. And God, we rejoice in salvation one at a time. The Bible says, Your Word says, that angels rejoice in one sinner. Lord, I praise God for the remnant that sang a new song. Lord, I praise Your name for us as born-again believers that we sing songs of praise, that You are worthy, worthy as the Lamb. Lord, and You have promised us that because of our faith and trust in You, we would spend eternity with You. Apart from all sickness and heartache, and every tear shall be wiped away, But Lord, right now, I'm going to have to go through trials and tribulations. Every one of us are either headed toward that furnace, in that furnace, or coming out of it. There's not a human being right here that's promised to live to tomorrow. There's not a human being in here that's not promised they will not get COVID or cancer or any kind of debilitating sickness. We're not promised that. But Lord, we are to rejoice in every circumstance and be joyful because You who saved us will sustain us. Lord, as we resound the words of Corey Ten Boom, God, we thank You for the fleas because, Lord, we look in the situation that we're in and we rejoice because we don't know what You see in the future. And God, that's just maybe what we need. God, let us hold faithful to your promises. And Lord, come what may, we will trust in you. And all God's people said, Amen. Stand and worship with us.